Hello and welcome to Searching for Service, a show designed to help current and future Rotarians find purpose through service. Our show's promise is a dedication to sharing stories, experiences, and opportunities for those searching for service, and how Rotary has been the organization to bring it together. The goal of the show is to grow the Rotary family by connecting through service projects. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm our co-host, Joe Kirk. And today we're going to dive deep into the heart of Rotary, service above self. So again, lovely listeners, we have an amazing guest on. Her name is Sylvia Allen. She is here through Sylvia's Children. It's a 5013C organization dedicated to improving the lives of her grandchildren to give children a fighting chance. And so we will, we're not going to dive into that yet but welcome, Sylvia, to Searching for Service. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure to be there. <laughs> we are happy to have you and um, really excited to dive into um, Sylvia's children. But we always like to dedicate this first section to um, our listeners learning a little bit more about our guest. So let's let's dive in. Let's hear a little bit more about you and... Um, and then we can dive into Sylvia's children. Okay. I am an original I'm originally from Minnesota. I went to uh, Edina High School and graduated from the University of Minnesota with a speech and theater arts degree. And I had thought, I thought, oh, I think I want to get a master's in Elizabethan drama. Mm. So I did a whole semester of Elizabethan drama. And I said, right, you're really going to get rich on that, Sylvia. I think you need to rethink your life. <laughs> and, of course, at the at, when I was in college, I had always been at the radio station, WMMR, and adored radio, adored radio. So you're at so, home. Yeah. I am. Oh, are you kidding? I'm in seventh heaven. So when I graduated, I got a job at KDWB, oh. and I was a copywriter, and I was one of the first women on the air, and I was... Miss Wonderful. This is Miss Wonderful wishing you a wonderful day. (laughs) People would come in looking for Miss Wonderful. I'm so sorry. She just left, you know, (laughs) uh, looking at her. So, and then I went to work for uh, WDGY, and I was traffic and copy, and then I was a salesperson, and I was one of the first women radio salespeople. You know, all radio salespeople now are women, I think. But I was one of the first ones. And then I went from there to KSTP Radio and TV. And with KSTP Radio, uh, Brooke Henderson and Jane Johnston had a two-hour daily radio show. And in TV, Jane Johnston had a 15-minute live TV show every day. And so I was producer for both of those and loved it. I mean, loved it. Uh, So you're an introvert. Is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, well, you know, it would be like if I wanted, I would see at the Guthrie that Eartha Kitt is there, so I'd go to the Guthrie, and I'd say, you know, Eartha, we would like to have you on the show. Oh, that's nope, really awesome. People don't, people don't turn me down. I think, <laughs> it's probably I think why your organization is so successful. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So anyway, uh, in a year, I doubled the ratings for both the radio and the TV, and I went to Ken Berry, who was the executive producer, and I said, Ken, I want a credit line produced by Sylvia. He said, you can't have that. I said, I am the line producer. 
I said, without me, these shows don't get on the air. Well, you still can't have it. So I've got to tell you the year. Then you'll know what his answer was. Uh, This was May 1965. He said, you can't have it because you're a woman. Mm. I said, said, that's not a problem, Ken. I quit. (laughs) I quit the job, packed up everything, moved to New York, got to New York June 14th, 1965. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything other than... No way was I going to have somebody tell me I couldn't have something because I was a woman. And I was very lucky. I got a job at Videotape Center right away. I went through New York on $5 a day and found the Alma Matthews Methodist Girls Club, which was in West Village. What better place to start your New York life? And uh, it was 12 bucks a week for room and kitchen privileges. My okay. gosh. It was, yeah, I would love to go back there. So anyway, (laughs) that was the start, and I have, you know, I've been very lucky in that every time I had a job, whoever I worked for usually took me to the next job and the next job. But by 1969, um, I got married, and... It's when it all fell apart, right? (laughs) Yeah, it all fell apart, is right. Moved from New York to New Jersey. And by the way, New Jersey... Everybody doesn't understand how gorgeous it is. I live on three acres in a house built in 1720. My office is in a carriage house out the back door. I'm 50 miles from New York, 10 miles from the ocean, 80 miles from Atlantic City, and 75 miles from Philadelphia. That sounds horrible. Tell me, <laughs> totally yeah, tell me what's wrong. And I have that a herd amazing. of deer, and I have, you know, I, I got all the accoutrements. So, uh,. In, I think it was, yeah, in 1779, and there's some jobs in there that are not relevant, but in 79, I had, I was working for AT&T, and I thought, I can't, I worked for them two years, nine months, and three days. I thought, I can't deal with this. I'm not, I come from three generations of entrepreneurs, happens to be all male entrepreneurs, but they're all entrepreneurs, and, and there is a strain in your body that makes you not want somebody to tell you what to do. So, I hear you so, clucking. I know you do. I, I figured this would resonate with you. Yeah. So uh, in January 1979, I started my own business. Didn't know what I was going to do, but because I had worked for AT&T, I knew I could do technical documentation, so I did that. And I'm a, I'm a really good salesperson because I, I am benefits-oriented, and so then I began to branch out and do more PR. Da, 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 da. All of a sudden, 1986, I had 34 people working for me, and I had four offices, one in Fort Myers, Florida, one in Washington, one here in New Jersey, and one in Boston. Okay, and by September 1989, I said, I hate my job. <laughs> because my job wasn't doing what I liked <laughs> I wasn't able to be creative. I was just busy. You know, <laughs> my favorite line was when the PR director said, the glass on the fax machine is dirty. Oh, God. Clean. I, this is how nice I was. Clean it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and I co- told everybody, I said, I'm going to, you know, get you farmed out with clients. And I just want to be a one-woman operation. And I started doing community development, which I adore. Mm. Uh, mostly with business improvement districts and main streets where I would generate money. I would help rebuild a community 
through events, through PR, and I, that's what I meant to do. But also at the same time, I had heard about this program at NYU for sports entertainment marketing. Sure. And I thought, well, let me apply. I thought, you've got guts, Sylvia. Why would they hire you? <laughs> and within, <laughs> within five minutes, they said, you're hired. You're kidding. It sounds like you have had a a pretty impressive track record. That's it's incredible. It really is. Oh, I yeah. love hearing yeah, no. all about it, especially. So, what brought you to travel, specifically oh. to Uganda? Oh well, all right. Um, I taught a class at NYU in uh, 2003 uh, in the Center for Philanthropy and Fundraising called "How to Ask for Money." And and it was January 2003, and it was geared strictly to nonprofits because nonprofits are very tenuous at asking for money. Mm-hmm. We do a great job. And then they'll give you a sob story. Our children have a license, and, and I—that's not how you do it. There's, there's all sorts of plus ways. So this man comes sauntering up to me, and I—I'll just say, "Hi, my name is, and I'm with, and I'm just auditing. I don't have to do any work." I said, "Well, how do you do?" My name is Sylvia Allen, and I'm your teacher, and I travel 50 miles one way to teach from the heart. You either register or get out. I said, I don't take audit students. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's true. I mean, an audit student just occupies space. And when I taught, I mean, you're not paid a lot of money. This was teaching from love. So... I was tough on him, and by the fourth week, he said, "You know, I love your style." I said, "I'll bet." <laughs> well, and, uh, well I, said, we gotta we gotta oh. lead into the next segment, but uh, okay. you know, it'll be fun. I can tell you, you taught with love, and then it'll be interesting to see and hear about how um, you started your organization and how all of that came about. So yeah, great. With the Rotary Connection and all that fun stuff too. So that was really Thank fun. Yeah. it sounds like that you've had one. Heck of a ride. <laughs> I had a wonderful ride, and I just keep riding, you know? Yes. And, so. and it sounds like you drag a lot of people with you. You're, like, you're coming whether you like it or not. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, well, we'll bring you into the next section here in just a moment, Sylvia. But as, okay. as a reminder to everyone, you are listening to Searching for Service, brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. Stay tuned to hear more about Sylvia. (laughs) All right, there we go. Welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. And as a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. And we love those five star reviews. <laughs> if you are um, listening in for the first time, we have Sylvia Allen of Sylvia's Children. And in our last section, we just got to know Sylvia and who she is as an individual. But for this next section, we're going to take that and wrap it into the inception of Sylvia's children and um, how it came to fruition. So let's go ahead and dive in, Sylvia. Share your story. Well, when this, when, you know, when I said to this guy, if you're an auditing one, get out. So by the fourth week, he said, you know, I love your style. Yeah. 
And he said, I want to invite you to Africa. Now, Mm. I already knew what the answer to my question was going to be, because I had just finished reading Poisonwood Bible. But I said to him, I said, okay, who's going? He said, well, five ministers. I said, five ministers and me? (laughs) And he said, yeah, you'll be safe. I said, I wasn't worried about me. (laughs) (laughs) I had had read, just read Poisonwood Bible, you'll see. But I said jo- yes. Joe's looking because, it up right now, actually, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've, I've done so much. I've traveled all over the world teaching people how to sell and to do sponsorship and events and so on. But I hadn't been to Africa. So in May of 2003, off we go with this man and five ministers and me to Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda. Mm. And that's what they call sub-Saharan Africa, and it's on the East Coast. Uh, Uganda is landlocked. It's on Lake Victoria, but there's no ocean by. And it was wonderful. The Tanzanian people, uh, whenever you see any of the Maasai warriors, that's that's Tanzania, mm-hmm. the very tall, handsome guys. I'll never forget one of the lunches in one of the villages, one of the ministers said, that young man is flirting with you. I said, I should be so lucky. Shut <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> yeah. I said, holy cow. So, and you began to see how much they were giving up for us. Like I glanced out the window one time, here we are eating with knives, forks, and everything. And this woman is washing dishes in a dish pan, and there's a big jerry can there. And I thought, she had to go get the water first. Now she's washing all these dishes because they've provided it to us. We don't need to eat. They need to eat. Hmm. And it would be those kinds of moments that were jarring. So anyway, we go to Tanzania, and then we go to Kenya. I'm not really crazy about Kenya. It's when we got to Uganda, and we only had four days left, then we'd leave on the fifth day, that I had this unbelievable pressure on my chest. And I said, I'm supposed to be here. What do I do? Hmm. And and that first day was a Sunday, so we're in this big church, and of course all the ministers get up. We're here to save you. <laughs> and I stood up. I said, I'm here to thank you. I said, you don't need saving, but you do need help. I said, and I'll come back and teach you how to be entrepreneurs. Hmm. And I sat down, and then I said, how am I going to do that? Because I didn't know what I was going to say when I got up there. And if you believe, if you believe in the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit then came with a baseball bat and said, come on, lady, I've tried to get your attention. Let's make it so you have to deliver. Judging by your background, I'd say that you brought the baseball bat. But But, so, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're in the different villages, and of course, tons of people, oh, if you just give me money, I will, da, 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 da. And I got to do some teaching, which was exciting. I got to do some community development teaching. Uh, It was on the last day that I was teaching business people how to charge for their products, the American economic system, Mm -hmm. uh, sponsorship, because they all have signs on their little stores, Pepsi-Cola, Nestle. I said, what do you charge them? Oh, we don't charge them. We're lucky they'll put them there. I said, wrong, (sighs) wrong. 2,000 shillings a month, 20,000 shillings if they prepay, give them two months for free. 
Well, 2,000 shillings at that time, just so you know, was $1. Hmm. So at the very end, and, and some people speak English. It's theoretically the official language, but they speak Lugandan. I had a woman translating, and I said, Betty, please tell them that I'm done. And she said, Sylvia, they don't want you to stop. Mm. <laughs> oh. it, sounds so a lot, it sounds a lot like that you taught them how to think. And, I you did. Know, yeah, oh, that's my yeah. whole goal. Yep, you taught them how to think, how to be able to adapt to their their environment, how to profit appropriately, right. and to succeed. So that's that's the model of a good coach right there. Well, yes, it sounds it like is. a good grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was because I and of course when she said go on, I said okay, Sylvia, how much of Doctor Peel can you remember? Zig Ziglar, the Khalil Gibran. <laughs> I, I hauled out every piece of power of positive thinking that I could. Oh, and, and I'm sure uh, it was like gold for them too, yeah, right? Cuz no they don't kidding. they probably they just don't have that structure of They don't. of thinking. Yeah. It's something we take for granted every day. And That's cuz we're Americans. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well anyway, so at the very end. I'm I'm proud to be an American. Uh, <laughs> This man comes up to me, and he'd been in every audience. And, you know, I live on the East Coast, so I thought, oh, I bet that guy's stalking me. I'm ready, you know. <laughs> and here's this plaque that says, I thank God for what I am. And on the back side, it says, the children at the Embreezy Advanced Primary and Daycare School want you to be their grandmother. <laughs> I said, I can do that. Because if you're in sales, you know there is a thing called TYG, trust your gut. Mm-hmm. My stomach didn't flop with him. My stomach had flopped with a lot of others, mm-hmm. not with him. So I said, okay, give me your name, your email address, your phone number. Uh, I will do that. And his name was uh, Reverend Jeffrey Walter Kawuma. He had started the school in 1997 with 60 children. He now had 439. It's based on the British model, so it's baby class, top class, then P1 to P7. Uh, of the 439, 139 were orphans, and he had four buildings. Uh, I came back to the United States. I said, okay, I'm going to form Sylvia's children, and I'll be a nonprofit. Mm. And I immediately incorporated and immediately became a state nonprofit, and then said, oh, great. You don't know how to run a nonprofit. You don't even know what you're doing. So... So I said, uh-huh. there's a there's a theme to 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 your story. It's yeah. I I Jump got my, I got myself into something. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how to do it. Um, yeah. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I love it. I, I think that that's. I mean, that's truly the embodiment of the the entrepreneurial spirit right there. <laughs> well, that's what I tell people Ready, when fire, they want to be entrepreneurs. I say, jump in the pool and pray on the way down. There's water. <laughs> Just do it. So good. <laughs> or my other favorite is when a sign says thin ice, walk as far as you can. And when you hear it start crackling, lay down flat. That way you spread your weight out and you go a little further. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there are your little nodules. But anyway, I said the first thing is I made myself my own client with Alan Consulting. Because I've handled tons of nonprofits. I've done their PR. I've done their marketing. I've done their solicitations, their fundraising. I've done all of that. So I said, get out of being nose-to-nose with it and just be your own client. So hmm. I, said, I did a website, and I said, okay, the first thing i got to do is get these little orphans sponsored. So got the orphans sponsored. Uh, and the first year, I only raised about uh, $3,900. 
Then the next year I raised 11000 the next year 16000 the fourth year I hit twenty five, And then I said, okay, i got to get people over with me mm-hmm. so that they can begin to see, because it's an extraordinarily moving experience. So 14, I put out the call, you know, all seminars I was doing, everything, I ended up with 14 people in June of 2007. And I made sure I took, I have two children, my daughter Michelle, who is now uh, 52, and she's head fashion designer in New York, and my son, who is 49, uh, is a free spirit, yoga teacher, surf photographer, they're opposite ends. But they both take care of themselves. Neither of them want to be married. I have no grandchildren. But I have a thousand children in Uganda. So I would say, you know, and I don't have to. You're doing well. And I think that that's a perfect place to to segue into our third segment where you can speak to a little bit more of your thousand children and more or less what you've done to help them. It sounds like that, you know, we've kind of developed this like. How did it start? And now let's really in this next section, we'll get into, you know, what do you do? And and then the yeah. last section will be is how do you, what are you going to do in the future here? So okay. we're excited to hear a ton more. It's been uh, incredibly fruitful. So thank you so much, Sylvia. I mean, thank you. Incredibly impressed by you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, seriously, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to jump more. <laughs> he already jumps quite a bit, too, Sylvia. So thanks for that encouragement. Yeah. Kelly's like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everyone. We'll be right back. This is Searching for Service brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. We'll see you in the next segment. Welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. And as a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. And we love those five-star reviews. Five, five, five. Five, five, five. Um, If you are tuning in for the first time, we have Sylvia Allen on of Sylvia's Children. And for this next section... We're going to really dive into the, as Joe likes to call it, the nuts and bolts of the operations of Sylvia's children. So go ahead and take it away, Sylvia. You, you first, okay. Sylvia, like, first of all, you are an amazing storyteller. I got to tell <laughs> you, you that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And yeah, I can, it's, I, just, yeah. it's just the truth. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's, it comes so naturally. And it's like you just get so sucked into the stories you're yeah. like oh wait 11 minutes went by <laughs> joe prides himself in being a really good storyteller and i can um i can agree that he he definitely is but i am sure he has taken some solid notes from you oh, Sylvia. That's cute. <laughs> well you know as i started to say before i took all these people these 14 people but i had to take my son and my daughter because because i travel all the time they were always saying Oh, we don't know where our mother is. She's in China. She's in Japan. We don't know where our mother is. She's probably saving an Indian, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, And every time I'd say, you know, I'm grandmother to these Africans. Oh, yeah, right. Now you're in Africa. So, uh, okay, fine. So I packed them in, too. And uh, when you get to this, you know, and it's a lot of flights and everything. At the end, I'll just tell you a little bit about a trip. But uh, we get to the school, and at that time there were 800 kids. 
they're all lining the walkway from the road all the way to the auditorium and singing and dancing. And it's awesome. Uh, it's still, it still, it chokes me up. And uh, my kids, my daughter, who works in garment district, she's like, she's a garmento. Ma, get off the bus. I said, uh, yeah, I will. But I said, I want you two kids with me. <clears throat> so we're walking down this row, and I look over to the left, and here's Michelle touching each child. And I look to the right, and here's Tony touching each child. And we get to the bursar's office, and my son, who's 6'2", 200 pounds, puts his arms around me, puts his head on my shoulder, and sobs. I said, that's why we're here. Yeah. And my daughter has a tough time expressing anything, but when we were in the auditorium, you know, you had to present and give your name and everything. She said, I don't like to talk in public, but I have one thing to say. I am so proud of my mother. Hmm. Okay. Done. <laughs> Got my kids. All right, I can move on. So, so with that, um, because I run a PR business and because I can't spend full time on Sylvia's children, I do an enormous amount of fragmentation. Uh, I, if somebody says, will you come talk to our group? Yep, absolutely. I'm on my way. Hmm. Uh, I was the chair of the mission committee at my church. Oh, surprise. We do Christmas in July every year, and every Sunday I ask for money for Christmas for the kids. But that expanded to other churches. Uh, and the, uh, the thing I did most of all, I wanted to make them self-reliant. Hmm. I wanted to help them. I wanted to be like the basement for the house and let them do what they're good at, which is teaching. Jeffrey is the owner of the school. I have no ownership whatsoever. I'm not an NGO in Africa. I didn't want to pay $10,000 just to be a non-governmental organization, to have them say, yes, you're a non-governmental organization. I don't need to do that. Here's where my heart is. I'm going to raise this money. I'm going to make a difference in these people's lives, in this village's life, and hopefully in the country, maybe 200 years from now, one of those children's children's children will rise to a position of power where they can make the country a better place. Well, so, I think I think you figured out very quickly what your highest and best use of your time was, it sounds like. And there's no doubt that you inspire and uh, move people to action. <laughs> so oh, I, I do. I, I, yeah. think, I think that, that, that that's really incredible that you were able to, to figure that out because that's actually kind of the anti-entrepreneurial spirit where the entrepreneur wants to do everything from – you know, procuring funds to, you know, whatever the most basic item is. So to, to have that ability is, is huge and very inspiring for our listeners too. So as, as they're, you know, figuring out what their conquest is. You have to realize that what you're doing is worthwhile. (laughs) That's the first thing. Secondly, the people like I'm, I am a witch with a B when it comes to how the money is managed over there. Okay? I, I check the books. Whenever they need to buy oh something, I say, you, bu- you buy it and send me the receipt, and then I will pay for it. Uh, I am No, I'm meticulous about it mm. because you've entrusted me with your money to make a difference in these children's lives. So what, what specifically are you doing for them? Um, you know, it's, oh, it sounds like that yeah, you're... I thought you know, you'd never ask. All right. 
<laughs> well, all right. Remember I said he had four buildings? Yep. We now have 26. I have 20,000 chickens. I have eight two-story chicken coops, so the children get eggs now, but they get protein. I have over 1,000 children in the school. Uh, 250 of them are orphans. Uh, I have 100 pigs. Like, my pigs died of swine flu two months or two years ago. Oh, now what do I do, right? So I put out a press release, you know, for $50 you can buy a pig. And uh, 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 uh. So I put out another press release that said, buy a pig, name a pig. <laughs> I sold all 100. Wow. Because, because it, was, it was something special and personal for them. Can I name it after my granddaughter? Can I name it after my father? <laughs> Call it any name you want, right? Oh, my uh, gosh. My favorite was Donald Frump. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I ha- I've constantly, and so those hundred pigs have little piglets. They have at least ten each time and twice a year. So you can sell the piglets to a guy who wants to be a farmer, so now you're helping the economy. 100,000 mango trees. We had a half a million coffee trees that we sold to the government. We now have a small coffee processing plant. We have a small uh, corn milling plant. We are building a little model farm on it. We have we're on ten acres on the campus, but the I have another seven acres, and we're building a model farm that will be a tourist attraction. Here's how we do farming, and it could also be part of our training for children for agriculture. So you've a, built uh, and supported a community, essentially. I mean, it... Oh, the community's doubled yeah. since I've been there. Well, we and, were, and, and, Our school had empty land around us. Empty so, land. The village was already on the other side of the street. We have on our side of the street now as many buildings as they've got on the other side. Wow. And, and most of this work is being done by the local people. This, I mean, you're Absolutely. just... Absolutely. So, so it's... <laughs> you've given them... The catalyst to grow themselves, which I think, yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I don't want to, you know, somebody said, well, do you want to run it? No, I don't want to run it. <laughs> they want to run it. <laughs> they want to. You've Look, taught them how award. to run it themselves. Yeah, we've won awards. Uh, three years ago, we got a certificate from the Uganda Educational Authority for having the top teachers in the country. That's oh, my incredible. gosh. We have, Congratulations P- there. Yeah, well, P7 classes, they have to take all the uh, countrywide tests. For three years in a row, we had the top performing P7 classes. So what, what are you most, what are you most um, happy about that you have accomplished thus far? What was the most 80, gratifying? Eighty-six of my orphans now have college degrees. Wow. That's, that is that's, impressive. What, what, I have an, do you have any idea have, what the number was a, previously, before? No, they had very, the orphans didn't go to college. Well, then there you go. <laughs> that's no, incredible. I, like right now I have uh, 87 orphans in high school. I have 60 in college, college and technical school. You know, they're either teachers or nurses or mechanics. Or My favorite is Mummy's School of Beauty, Catering, and Tailoring. How that goes together, I don't know, but it's, it's there. Uh, Loosely connected. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to live on the street. They don't have to carry a hoe and work in the garden. They don't have to carry a weed whacker so they can whack weeds by the side of the road. 
Well, not only have you given them purpose, but you've given them the opportunity to choose their purpose too. I think I, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a huge distinction too, where you know they've kind of been the the captains of their own ship versus kind of whatever the world's just kind of given them at the that that current point. So that that's the gift that keeps giving and and will probably supersede you far beyond. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope so. You're like a curator of opportunity. I, I love, love that. Yeah. Curator that's of opportunity. A, it's been wonderful Great to way hear to about. Put it. Um we are going to be wrapping up this segment, and my goodness, this is just know, so we, incredible. We and, need more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but this, for, the, for, the, for the last segment, we're going to talk about what you see in the future, because you've done so much already. I'm curious to see where you see it going in the future. So. Oh, I've got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> As a reminder, you're listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. We'll be wrapping up here in the last segment. Welcome back to our final segment of Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. I can't believe we're already through three I know. Sessions. It feels like it's like blink of an eye, and here we are. So um, just as a reminder, we have Sylvia Allen on of Sylvia's Children. And as many of you know who have been listening in on a regular basis, um, we always like the section, this last section to be about um, where – where organizations, nonprofits, whatever the circumstances might be, where they see themselves going with that organization. And so... Yeah, Sylvia, you've done so much. I mean, not only just in your life itself, and then also what you've done with Sylvia's children. So what what do you see as the, the future of all of this? What's your hopes and dreams? Well, okay, so my hopes and dreams. First, I need uh, $25,000 to finish my model farm. And once I have the model farm, then I have another revenue generator for the school. You know, we've already got chickens. We've already got pigs. Um, and with that model farm, then people can see here's how we live in Uganda. The other thing is, uh, and I'm going to go over just for a short four-day checkup on a trip, I want to find out how we're making this coffee processing plant work and how we're making the uh, corn milling plant work. I have a 6,000, a physical 6,000-square-foot medical clinic that has three examining rooms, a lab, a dental room. I just put in all new solar because during COVID the solar died. And I need to outfit that clinic. I need to raise a quarter of a million dollars to get it finished off and hire staff and market and get so that we serve not only the school, my original plan is serve the school, but also serve the village one of the first times we were there, when we got there, the the guy said, you're just in time for Kasozi Moses' funeral. He died of a heart attack, an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. I said, not on my watch. I said, I'm going to build a clinic. Somebody said, how are you going to do that? I said, I don't know. I, I'm just go- I'll do it. Somehow, I'll do it. So I have to do that. I also have to figure out how to, my kids don't want to run the business because they don't want to, they don't want to work like I do. Uh my heart is in this. Uh, I'm a very good writer. I know how to solicit money. I know how to give a speech. I know how to do all this stuff. 
they don't want to do that. So I've got to have some sort of migration strategy. I'd also like to have a $2 million trust fund so that if I fall off the planet by some fluke, uh, that there's money there, ongoing money, for these orphans to have high school and college. Mm Mm-hmm. So those are those are my major plans. Now, because I'm working with this foundation research, I'm also going to go for $75,000 for a marketing uh, budget. Allen Consulting pays for everything right now. I thought it'd be nice if somebody else did. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, get Fair that enough. marketing budget. Uh, and then there are some, some of these grant makers that will... Uh, give you money just for operating funds. And the guy I'm working with, he said they'd pay you a salary. I said, a salary? What am I going to do with a salary? (laughs) I haven't done that for so long. And here's what's interesting, though, and I want to address how I got involved with Rotary because uh, I was not a Rotarian until about 10 years ago. Wow. Wow. And it came about because I had been on Jason Davis's show, On the Road, Mm Mm-hmm. I had been on for my opera house that I owned in Aiken, and thank God I sold that. That's another whole story you don't need to know about. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just keep by. shaking my head at Joe. Like, is there anything she hasn't done? <laughs> I have not been a pole dancer, just so you know. <laughs> uh, oh nor am gosh. I going to be. So you could relax. <laughs> but Anita Jader, who was with the North St. Paul Maplewood Oakdale Rotary, called me. And she said, and I just loved it, because you've heard me talk enough, you'll know what my answer was. Are you ever willing to come speak to groups? <laughs> I, thought, I thought, oh, poor Anita, you know, she's in, in for the shock. So I said, sure, I'll come talk to the group. And they're a wonderful group of Rotarians, just unbelievable. And when I started, I said, I'm going to tell you about this, but if you think you're going to escape without me asking you to help support me with money, that won't happen. I said, because what I'm doing is changing people's lives, and I want you to participate in it with me. Well, after that, they sponsored a child, and then uh, they did, I mean, they just keep helping me. And when I got so that I wasn't coming out to Minnesota a lot, I still keep my membership in that Rotary, because I can do Zoom, because two years ago, they sponsored me for a $12,000 grant, which I got. This time we just got twenty one thousand six hundred, which pays for thirty eight. I'm sorry, thirty six of my orphans in high school, food, clothing, lodging, health care, and education. That's incredible. Well, wow. they're just wonderful. They're just <laughs> wonderful. And the thing is, I go to uh, one. I go to a Rotary here. You can only belong to one, right? So I go to the Greater Long Branch Rotary, and when they <laughs> every time they have a meeting, and we'd like to introduce you to us. To our longest running guest, Sylvia <laughs> Allen. <laughs> but but they have helped me with my school. They wow. did a fundraiser for me. Uh, they just I'm supposed to get a check next week from them for eight of my orphans in my school. People are very good. Yeah, uh, and it's been a common theme on this show that Rotary has just been the vehicle to really help you know support other. Other groups. I mean, it, we really mobilize people. Obviously, we mobilize a lot of money. But, um, you know, a lot of our listeners also are non-Rotarians. Mm-hmm. So what, what piece of advice would you give to 
people that are out there that are that are looking for service. You obviously kind of took the bull by the horns and just kind of, yeah. you know, forged your own way. And there certainly oh, are people oh, out there that are him. just how like you. How can you say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's I'm blinking my eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's a lot of people out there that are seeking service. So what piece of advice do you have for them? you know, to get involved in, in Sylvia's children or in other types of service projects? Because it, it doesn't sound like that you've ever needed a piece of, uh, um, you've never needed a tailwind in your life. No, 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 no. no. I, you know, I feel like sometimes like a big bag of wind. But no, I think the best thing to do is get over yourself. Oh, uh, I love it. Well, you know, Look, let's let's just take if you lived in in my little village of Embrizi in Uganda. Only five percent of the homes have electricity. Only five percent of the homes have running water. It's probably a dirt floor, and the dirt floor is very much. Well, I still have a lake home up in northern Minnesota, north of Lake Malax, and it's that red clay. Well, yep. that's mm-hmm. what they've got in Uganda. So you've got this red clay floor, uh, and yet. They would give you the shirt off their back. Isn't if you that knocked incredible? on their door and said, uh, have you just got one extra egg? Oh, I have. What else do you need? Mm. It's very much they care for each other. And as Americans, we need to quit caring about ourselves and care about the world. Because Thomas Friedman wrote a book, The World is Flat. It is flat. We are all tied together because of technology and everything else in the world, we need to care about everybody else. And when you look at, I, I love Starbucks, okay? Uh, that's why I can't live in Uganda, because you can't, they don't have a Starbucks. Well, uh, it sounds like that there's your next mission, yeah. Starbucks, you're going Franchise to Uganda. Franchise Starbucks. <laughs> but if, Watch if you out, go to Starbucks. Starbucks, you can get a Trenta chocolate foam cold brew for $6.13. Unbelievable. So, so get one for $5.13. Give me $1 a day, mm-hmm. and I can guarantee that an orphan has their education in primary school paid for for a year. Food, clothing, lodging, health care, and education. A buck a day. Starbucks, sorry, you if you're listening, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well... And I'm and I hear I am going to say we have a website sylviaschildren.org. We also have a uh, Sylvia's Children YouTube. If you want to see precious, and look, I don't like little kids off the record, but these are such, <laughs> off the record on the record. <laughs> yeah, such wonderful little. They are so well behaved. They are so grateful. You give them a piece of candy, and they're so just. It, it knocks you out. It really, there was a little girl. She was easily 200 feet from me. She saw me all the way across. And she, uh, and they can't say my name, so I'm Grand Slivia. <laughs> and she yells, Grand Slivia. And she comes racing pell-mell. She runs into me and just throws her arms around me. Love it. That's so and great. I, and I tell you what, I'm grateful for you. Uh, this has been an incredibly inspiring Can you believe interview. we're almost wrapped up here, Sylvia? We've, we've got like Good. 30 seconds left. Can you believe it? <laughs> so, but seriously, oh, well. thank you so much for all that you have done for Sylvia's children. And 
My goodness. It's been such an honor having Truly you inspiring. on, Sylvia. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. thank you so much for tuning in to Searching for Service. As a reminder, it's time to stop searching and start serving.